thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Welcome, wonderful listeners, to this week's episode of Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And this week we are discussing anxiety. Now, that is something I'm sure a lot of women experience because the reality is that one in three Australian women will experience anxiety at some point in their life. Now, this is an interesting topic because we've had a few requests recently to, you know, ask for alternatives, some of the medications that people are taking for anxiety. And we really want to talk about, you know, what is anxiety? Um, when do you know the anxiety you're experiencing becomes a problem? Um, because there is some degree of normal anxiety when we've got stressful events and the situations and experiences in our life. But when do we find out that it's taking over or taking control um, of some of the choices we're making because we're, we're avoiding or we're uh, changing our behaviours because of that sensation or that uneasiness that comes from that anxiety? So, Andrea, yeah, what are your thoughts on, uh, I guess, the concerns with anxiety? Where does it come from and what can we do? Um, that's, that's a really good question and it's a really big question as well. And I think that even the notion of anxiety and hearing that word, for some people, it might actually make them feel more anxious because that awareness of it and the symptoms and the cascade of events that happens when someone is anxious or might be experiencing an anxiety attack um, is so distressing for their system um, and also makes them catastrophize events a lot more than, say, someone who isn't as prone to anxiety. So before we kind of get into what happens in the brain um, and in the body when people become anxious, let's kind of talk about some of the symptoms that someone might be experiencing when they feel those anxious uh, sensations. Um, And it's very much like the fight or flight response. So if you can think about what happens in those instances, you might get, you know, shaky knees, your stomach's turning over, it might feel like cold sweats, your heart rate will increase, uh, there may be that inability to concentrate or there's that really strong fixation in your mind where, you know, your head's going a million miles an hour. Um, you might also get a bit of shortness of breath um, and definitely a, a sense of it's almost like a catastrophic worst-case scenario fixation. Um And it can be very normal in certain situations where there is some sort of threat, but the problem is that for most people, there's no immediate threat and a lot of it is the way that we're perceiving events and situations. And those symptoms can be even more severe than that, can't they? They can, uh, I know that you could describe some people feel as though they get pins and needles in their limbs and they worry that something very serious is happening with their health. Um, It could even go into a state of hyperventilation or a sensation that they can't breathe, Mm -hmm. um, which can, you know, elicit ideas that they might suffocate or, or collapse or get into a really serious state. So some people feel as though it can be a very serious medical condition, um, which of course symptomatically it is because you feel absolutely horrendous. And I think it's really important to understand that whilst these experiences are incredibly unpleasant, the body will return to a state of normal function, which we call homeostasis, as long as we can mentally and emotionally overcome that state of heightened anxiety. So it's really important to try and bring ourselves back to a center point, isn't it? 
And I think that women are so much more prone to this than men, and I'm sure the statistics reflect this as well. Uh, they do, yeah. yeah. One in three, one in five men. So we certainly are almost double uh, more likely to experience it. And also once you've had children, slightly more likely again. And we see this every single day. I, I, could, I couldn't even count the number of women that I have that are mothers to young kids who worry about them constantly. And I think that's probably an inbuilt mechanism as a mother uh, because, you know, these are your children, these are your whole world. Um, However, one of the really interesting facts is that anxiety is very much a learned behaviour. So if you grew up in a a very anxious household, um, maybe your mother was a worry ward, maybe there was that absolute fixation on, um, you know, future possibilities and all sorts of things, then you're much more likely to have these tendencies as well. So just as it has been learned, it too can also be unlearned. And there's certainly some helpful practices that we can uh, share with you today that if you do feel like as a new mom you are worrying and fixating on certain things and that's creating anxious symptoms, there's a whole host of things you can do to help to really normalize your system as well. Um, one of the favorite quotes that I've heard about anxiety, and I can't remember where this comes from and I apologize, but it is that anxiety is a fixation on the future, whereas depression, and we're not going to get into that today, but depression is a fixation on the past. And, I think and that's that- why they can be so closely coupled together, can't they? Because you've got uh, uh, very often people experiencing flux between depression, which is that fixation on the past, and then the worry towards the future, which swings into anxiety. And that's why depressive anxiety disorders often go hand in hand. And sometimes the treatments that are provided by medical professionals, are medications for depression are actually utilised for the uh, treatment of some anxiety as well, which is super interesting. Um, and I think our, our conversation today is trying to assist people who are experiencing anxiety symptoms or have been anxi- anxiety disorder diagnosed to find some helpful ways of uh, overcoming these experiences because what you need to realize that medication does not cure anxiety. It's so important to understand this. It may relieve symptoms temporarily. It may change your headspace temporarily, but the medication itself doesn't cure it. So we really need to get into um, why the brain gets locked in this pattern and what's actually happening and why it's so important to essentially think our way out of the situation. Oh, I like the way that you've just described that. And when we look at the processes that happen in an anxious state or in someone who's more prone to anxiety, there's so many things that are going on and there's lots of different parts of the brain that are involved. Um, so let's start with the anatomy of the brain. So when we're um, sort of looking at the areas of the brain that control the production of fear and anxiety, we know that comes from the, amyg- the amygdala um, and also from the hippocampus. And And so these two play similar roles in anxiety disorders. Your amygdala is a little almond-shaped structure that's deep in the middle of the brain, um, and it's believed to be like a communication hub between different parts of the brain. So it sends um, incoming sensory signals and interprets all sorts of things to make sure that is there a a threat present? And if so, do we need to trigger a fear and anxiety or that flight or fight response? Now, Anatomically, that's what happens, whereas there's a whole bunch of other things that also go on at the same time. So when we go into that anxious state or that fight or flight response, there's a whole bunch of neurotransmitters and chemicals that are released. 
Um, and one of them um, that can actually sensitize your brain to that fear response is some of our excitatory neurotransmitters. So that's things like epinephrine, norepinephrine, dopamine. We're going to get really nerdy here for a, for a minute. Um, and there can be a bit of an imbalance between the excitatory, excitatory neurotransmitters and the inhibitory neurotransmitters. So those are your things like serotonin and GABA, which help to calm down your brain and calm down that flight, flight response. Um, there's also a really important cascade of hormones that happens. Um, so your hypothalamus, so one of the very important like master controllers of your brain, releases a hormone called corticotropin releasing factor or CRF. We'll just shorten that. So that jolts your body into action. And when CF, CRF uh, flows through into your pituitary gland, it actually stimulates some other hormones that tell your adrenal glands to, to release cortisol. And we all know that cortisol is one of those stress hormones. Um, it releases a whole bunch of cortisol, fat, and protein to give our cells the energy it needs to be alert and to go into either a fight or flight state. Um, so this is a very normal process that happens, but when it happens too often, our brain and our body gets sensitized to this. And there's an important concept in neurophysiology that talks about when uh, synapses wire together or fire together, I should say, they then wire together. So when we create a pattern that happens over and over again, then it's almost like it solidifies this road in our brain that as soon as we get a little bit fearful it can then trigger an entire anxiety attack or anxious state straight away because that's been our learned behavior. So and just, yeah, so let's just put this into a picture that we can see because I want people to feel um, what we mean by this wire together, fire together. Just imagine like, so, okay, we all go back to school days, um, went to the zoo, saw the snakes in the glass boxes, told snakes are really dangerous. Australia is full of deadly snakes. <laughs> and then one day you're out bushwalking and you're walking along and you're traipsing through the bush, crunch, crunch, crunch on all the broken leaves. And all of a sudden you hear a scuttle, like a sh -sh -sh in the leaves. What's your first thought? Now, most people automatically jump into creature and, well, if you're in WA walking through the bush here, you straight away think snake. Now, if you actually get a glimpse of that snake, what's the response that happens there? And you think of what the anxiety response is, you know, change in heart rate, change in breathing, um, sweat, everything starts to change uh, physiologically and all these hormones and chemistries are there. We heard the sound, we already got that response. We see the snake and that response is heightened. Now, it could just be a friendly little diamond python, you know, going along its way, never harmed a human being, absolutely not deadly. But either way, our brain doesn't discern that information. It's been taught snakes, dangerous, poison, venom, kill, die in the bush, <laughs> West Australia. They're probably brown, yeah. they're probably black. And so this is what we're talking about when we say why together, fire together. Whatever you've learnt is the way you have an immediate response. So, um, uh, Ash, you're so spot on. And I love the um, that little story that you used there. And I know that we're coming into summer for us now, which is when we have a lot more snakes that are out. And I know whenever I'm walking the dog, I'm so hypervigilant 
um, about the areas that we go to because of that. But for those of our lovely listeners that are in, say, New Zealand, where they don't have these animals or, yeah, say, say or in the US, um, <laughs> yeah, you're definitely missing out. Um, however, the, the same is true if you were to think about if you're driving along the freeway and you see the red and blue flashing lights behind you, right? And this is a story that I love to use because it kind of makes sense to everybody. So you're driving the speed limit, you've got your seatbelt on, you're not texting, there's nothing wrong with your car, but you've got the police sirens behind you. What is the normal response? You know, exactly as the same as, as the snake response. So your palms get sweaty, your stomach turns over, your heart rate increases. So you've just had a fight or flight response to that trigger, but then the police car drives around you and off they go. You haven't even done anything wrong. They weren't even after you. <laughs> yeah, but it's that learned response where you've just had a full-on physiological response just to an emotional learned trigger. And I think that this shows that anxiety is not only a psychological condition, but very much a physiolog like a physiological response as well. Um, so I and we, we can of- see that expressed in almost every different area of our life, can't we? I mean, for some people, going to the bank to draw out some money and to find that their account is at zero can have them in meltdown, even yeah. though the money's going to come in this afternoon. Um, but that immediate response thinking, I'm broke, I have nothing, I have no money. And that's that. So it can be money, it can be actual physical, you know, experiences involving snakes or police cars. Um, it could be a friend not calling back and not returning calls and suddenly you're getting anxiety responses because you think that they think something's wrong, you've done something wrong, and yet really what just happened, they lost their phone and they can't call anyone. So, And as women, how often does that happen? And especially... Say you're in your early 20s, you're new on the dating scene and that guy doesn't text you back. Um, how often do, do women feel that? You know, you jump to all sorts of different conclusions. Oh, he doesn't like me anymore. Maybe there's somebody else. Um, maybe I shouldn't have said this on that date. Whatever it might be, um, it's those fixations that I think um, we are all sort of guilty of. And there's a very good reason why that happens as well because when we get into that state, a lot of what happens is the blood diverts away from our prefrontal cortex in our brain. Uh, and that is the part of our brain that helps us to be rational, helps us to make higher executive decisions. Um, and it diverts it through to the amygdala, which is those fear centers. And there's no way that we can make rational decisions or think clearly and logically when this happens. Um, so ladies, it's, it's not your fault that you kind of go into this um, vicious cycle, whatever the trigger may be, but we've got to start to change the way our brain does that because remember the neurons that or the synapses that fire together will wire together so there's definitely ways to unlearn this as well and to break that firing system um, yeah, and that, that comes into the whole idea of what you think about you bring about doesn't it like it's yeah, uh yeah it's like all that. about those you know unhelpful thoughts that are directing us into i guess sometimes unreal states of experiences because there is no factual information to found th- that thought process on it's an assumption or um an inability to cope or it, there's so many different variables there ash do you and I know that I, I certainly have um, experienced anxiety, you know, through ebbs and flows. Um, do you have, uh, how do you go with anxiety? I think it's, I've always been a fairly highly, I'd say highly strong is probably not exactly the right description, but I'm a high achiever. So mm-hmm. I apply a lot of pressure to myself. Um, however, I have had an 
multiple experiences actually when I was slightly younger um, with actual anxiety attacks. And the first time it ever happened to me was uh, at the U2 concert in Sydney. And ah, interesting. Suddenly a stadium full of people. Yet I'd been to, you know, Roosters matches, Swannies matches. Um, <laughs> stadiums before with lots of you know noise and lots of stuff and for whatever reason this day um you know it was actually leaving the stadium with tens of thousands of people pushing out the same time um getting swept along in that tide of people and just having an entire physical shutdown now i'm talking i couldn't feel my body i felt as though i was outside in like i was looking on myself and i was totally not in control um i couldn't speak i people would talk to me ash you you know obviously they looked at me i turned gray and white and i didn't yeah, know yeah. Uh, but they were looking at me thinking something's really weird ash you okay apparently i wasn't saying a thing i was just staring straight ahead um so you know friends arms around me just walked straight out got outside are you okay and it took quite some time for that sensory stuff to pass but it was an absolute shutdown yeah, and yeah. of course, once you've experienced that, there's a really scary thought of, oh my god, um, you know, you get over it. You know, days pass, maybe weeks pass, but the next time you think about going to an event that has a similar situation or lots of people, suddenly all I'm, I'm thinking, what if it happens again? Yeah, and so then, like you said, that anxiety about future experiences, even though it wasn't real, and we can't guarantee I was going to have that experience again, but then unfortunately, <laughs> I did, and you know, it happened to lift and, and uh, surrounded by people, and the mm-hmm. lift is in control, not me, and suddenly, like all of these things were happening, and uh, and I realised, thankfully, that it was a headspace issue. Yeah. I did like being out of control. I didn't like people pushing me around. Mm-hmm. Now, probably it was actually more of a reflection of some of the other experiences going in my life. Maybe it was me not standing up empowered in my own space, saying no when I really wanted to say no, but instead of saying yes. And I wonder now whether it was just simply my body saying to say, Ash, you've got to, you've got to take control because, see, you're getting pushed along. People are taking over your life. You're, you're not taking control. And um, it was great because it, it gave me an opportunity to seek support, seek some counselling, learn some tools and some strategies. And I think the biggest deal with coping with anyone who has anxiety is really challenging your unhelpful thoughts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Unless you are an inside-out job, unless you go inside and you work on you, um, there really is no one who can fix you. So I think it's really important people understand you're not trying to get someone to fix you or give you drugs or, or solve these problems because you just need to start to work out when you might be thinking in a, a process or a pattern that's actually really unhelpful. So I'll give you some examples of that. Um, let's talk. Okay, so you're worried about being judged by others. You know, they think I'm no good. They think I'm not fun. They think I'm useless. If I, you know, am not there, they won't like me. Um, maybe something, you know, you're worried about something terrible happening. Oh, what if I go there and the plane crashes? What if I get on um, the plane? And, or And so there's all of these scenarios you run through your head. Um, and, of course, if you've had panic attacks or, or periods of panic before, that certainly runs in your mind too. What if I have another one? What if people see it? What if um, they don't like me or they think I'm really weird? Um, <laughs> you know, or even stuff like someone squints at you weirdly on the street and you think, oh, my God, you know, what do I do? They don't like me, but really they just had sun in their eyes. Like there's so many scenarios that may actually not be real and they have no real evidence, but it's the way we perceive the situation or experience um, and then we catastrophize, we break it out of its... Uh, reality into this imagined state and heighten that state 
And that's really what uh, drives up that emotional response. Yeah, that's so interesting. And everything you've just described then is absolutely that fixation on the future that we have absolutely no control over. Um, And I think that kind of leads us into what some of these action steps that we can actually take to start to change this. And I love how you talked about going inside and trying to isolate what the major issue there is there a pattern here that you need to address and for you it was feeling out of control not standing up for yourself and a few other things and I think when you hit the nail on the head it's almost like you feel it through your body like this is exactly what it is this is exactly what's going on and sometimes those moments come to you in the middle of the night when you can't sleep because of the anxiety. Um, I also find that sometimes with those little triggers, like you were saying with uh, the friends who won't get back to you or, you know, do they think I'm weird or whatever it might be, or maybe it's a conversation with a girlfriend that you keep going over and over and over in your head. Sometimes just with time, it can help to lessen the effect of that because often in the moment we put way too much emphasis on things because we're in that heightened emotional state. Whereas if we can unplug from that and be objective about it, we can go, okay, this is actually not the end of the world and it's not nearly as big a deal as what I thought it was yesterday. Um, So sometimes just unplugging yourself from that situation and almost trying to have like a bird's eye view can be really beneficial. Oh, certainly. And also sometimes just uh, taking the frame aside and saying, okay, if it's a scenario where, oh, what if I fail these exams? But there's no evidence to say you'd fail them because you've never failed an exam before. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what's what's the worst case scenario? You might say, okay, I fail, but I reset, I'll pass it, that's okay. Or you, you could be starting to say, six months from now, seriously, this conversation with my friend that I'm going over and over on, is it really going to make a big difference? Um, you know, am I going to look back and just think, how silly? Like, I wouldn't even remember this conversation. So there's so many different ways of just trying to gently challenge yourself. What evidence is there to say that this is so? I, I think it was a big one for me. Like when I was worried about all these people, like what evidence is there to say that I'm out of control and getting pushed around? I'm not. We're just all leaving the stadium at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And so if I don't want to leave the stadium at the same time, sit in my seat a bit longer, let the crowd pass and then chill out and walk out a bit later. I mean, or leave a bit earlier, get to my car, you know, a bit earlier and um, I won't have to deal with the traffic that comes after it, like particularly out at <laughs> Sydney at Homebush there. Anyone who's ever been caught in those uh, car parking stations, it takes you just as long to get out of there as it did to sit and watch a concert. Um, so like I think it's really important just to look at, at what unhelpful thoughts you're going through and try and just come up with a slightly more balanced view. Um, and remember as well, look, seriously, ladies, the sometimes the things that you say to yourself, ask yourself, would you say this to your best friend? Yeah, and exactly. if you wouldn't speak to your best friend that way, please start to realize it's a negative way of speaking to yourself and pull yourself up on it. Say, hey, I, I'm worthy. I don't deserve to be spoken to like that. Even though it's your own little mind monkey talking to you, um, you're allowed to call it out for being mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I love that question. Will this matter to me in two days? Will it matter to me in a week? Will it matter to me in a month? And answering those questions and going, you know what, in a month's time, this is going to be completely irrelevant. It'll be a distant memory. It helps you to sort of have that that presence of mind as well to unplug you from that situation. Um, I think this is where a lot of the um, therapies, including cognitive behavioral therapy and speaking to your 
good quality psychologist or counsellor can be really beneficial as well just to help to put things into perspective for you. Um, And I also love the idea that whatever anybody else is thinking about you is none of your damn business. And seriously, who cares? How does it really affect you? And, you know, I I had to learn this the hard way, um, but fortunately I learned that in my early 20s when a lot of people don't learn that for a long, long time. And it really has helped me to not care what anybody else's opinion of me is. And I think that if I did, we probably wouldn't be doing half the things that we are. Um, and, you know, just keeping that in mind that whatever anyone is thinking of you is really none of your business and it's yes, so irrelevant it's their as stuff. well. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally their stuff, yes. So let's uh, let's have a look at some of the more practical things because I know that this is a very serious issue and can be completely debilitating for a lot of people. Um, starting from the top, things that are really simple is something like physical touch, and this has been shown to improve mood and anxiety. And these can be things like um, massage, even self-massage and firm pressure as well, um, something like acupuncture, chiropractic, just hugs from someone you someone that you love is absolutely shown to help to reduce some of those um, anxious sensations as well. Um, And one of the most simple things that you can do uh, that can affect you right in that moment is slow down your breathing or do some parasympathetic breathing. And I know that we've talked about this before, but just this little gentle reminder, and this is something that you can do, you know, if you're going into an important meeting or if you are in one of those anxious states and you need to slow your system down is you put one hand on your chest, one hand on your belly, you take a big breath in, filling the belly first, and then the chest, out from the chest, out from the belly. So it's that sort of cyclical rhythmic breathing that we call parasympathetic breathing because your parasympathetic nervous system is that rest and digest part of your body that helps to slow down that sympathetic fight or flight response. So that's a really easy technique that you can do anywhere and everywhere, um, that is really helpful and and I actually know that it works. Look, I think there's also a lot of other strategy. For me, essential oils, fragrances uh, Mm -hmm. certainly have an emotional shift. So I love, you know, the the calming effect of uh, a beautiful essential oil like lavender. Um, You've got some herbals. I mean, what about our lozenges that we all love? Oh, the rescue revenue Yeah, rescue revenues. So sometimes it's just mind over body too. Sometimes, look, actually, whether or not it makes a difference, whether, you know, chemically or not, it makes a difference. Just putting one in my mouth makes me feel better already. (laughs) So So that is that learned response that you have where, you know, perfect example of the neurons that fire together, wire together. So when you have, when you become anxious, the steps or the access steps that your brain has is, taking a rescue remedy lozenger. And uh, just as a side note, I definitely prefer the spray or the homeopathic drop version of this. Um, and it, the efficacy of that is much better than the lozenges themselves. But I think it's the action that you're taking that your body knows, oh, this is the steps to help me calm down. Yeah. Um, and knowing that it has those uh, assets that it can use is really important. Um, while we're talking about those sorts of things, um, you can really try quality supplements and something simple just like magnesium is going to be really beneficial because we know that low levels of magnesium will disrupt your hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis, which is um, something that drives that fight or flight response. So when it's unbalanced, um, magnesium can be a precursor to that. Magnesium is also a precursor to serotonin, 
which is your feel-good happy neurotransmitter. So, you know, most of us are magnesium deficient. So getting yourself a practitioner-grade, really high-level potency magnesium is a good start. Um, I'm a really big fan of herbs like hops, valerian, rhodiola, romania, lavender, like you mentioned, lemon balm, all of those sorts of things. So speak to your natural health practitioner about what might be the best combination for you depending on, um, you know, your, your own individual circumstance as well. And look, good eating, getting some exercise, getting some sunshine, vitamin D, like the body has essential elements that it requires to function at its best. And if we're fueling with poor quality foods uh, because of that lack of nutrient value, the brain goes into primitive state. We, we need to feel well in order to feel well. So think carefully about what you're eating. Make sure that you're not adding a lot of uh, caffeinated drinks and things because they will absolutely drive up adrenal and uh, anxiety responses. Be mindful of excessive sugars. Again, they drive into anxiety response as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I um, don't know about you, Ash, but I see a really strong link in patients between anxiety and irritable bowel symptoms as well. Certainly. Um, you know, certainly the the diarrhea or the pain and bloating um, and gassiness that, that can be associated with lots of different emotional or anxiety-related triggers. Um, I love that you mentioned exercise. And one thing that I am a huge fan of is yoga, especially as a tool to address anxiety. So it has the potential to reduce the state and the long-term, so the immediate and the long-term effects of anxiety in a really wide range of people. Um, So it's thought that yoga actually helps to alleviate that hyper-arousal state of the sympathetic nervous system. Um, It helps to calm down or help to regulate that HPA or the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal access that I've just talked about. Um, and that disruption is so common for people who do have anxiety. So it actually specifically activates the sympathetic nervous system, um, which helps to calm everything down. So you need to do it for at least an hour a week. Um, if you're not uh, interested in going to classes, uh, you can certainly go online to Yoga Glow, which is a, there's a whole bunch of different um, classes that they have online that you can stream. And it's like a it's pretty cheap. I think it's like 12 or $15 a month or something that you can prescribe to that um, or subscribe to that, I should say. Um, and if you're not a yoga buff, then trying something like Tai Chi or Qigong has also been shown to have similar effects as well. Um, remember that exercise can be calming or it can be stress-inducing So if you're really anxious, it may not be beneficial to do something that's really stress-inducing that's going to boost your cortisol levels even further. But they could be things that are competitive or um, high intensity. They're things that uh, drive us into that state of, uh, I think, competitiveness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it also depends how you're wired because for some people that is an amazing stress relief. Oh, so, you know, just you might have to do a bit of trial and error to see what actually works for you. Um, one thing that I absolutely love is that one of the most researched modalities to assist with anxiety is actually music. So putting on some of your favorite tunes, um, especially when you're feeling anxious or nervous, has actually been shown to help to really calm down that fight or flight response. Um, 
I would also encourage you to get up and uh, bust out some moves to to your favorite <laughs> tunes as well. So we suggest, know suggest get dancing, get dancing. Yeah, yeah, Thank absolutely. You, oh, yeah. Look, why not? Anything that makes you feel good, and that, that's one of the big deals with uh, coping or, or controlling anxiety is to do more of what you enjoy. Uh, focus on the present. Be be mindful. Be current. Be in the moment. Um, doing a task or an activity that you really really enjoy because it really strips away that uh, I guess tendency to worry you know to, to bring uh, thoughts of the future into it instead you've got single task focus and that gives you that opportunity to just be be present be mindful yeah absolutely and just with mindfulness also goes meditation um, and I know that we cite this on almost every episode because it's you know, effects are so numerous, but it really does to help to quieten that overactive mind. So there's been numerous scientific studies that found that meditation is effective for treating anxiety. Um, and one study that was actually published in the Psychological Bulletin, um, it was a, I think it was a meta-analysis. So it combined so many different studies and looked at the overall conclusion of over 163 different studies. Um, and it actually showed that practicing meditation produced beneficial results um, that were so substantial that it um, was comparable to taking something like Xanax, Ativan or Valium. Um, so it helps to reduce the anxiety and the stress response, but it's a much more healthful practice. Um, and it also helps um, to lower some of that social anxiety as well. Uh, so ladies get meditating there are so many different apps if you've never done it before and you think it's not for you or it's in the too hard basket just start small uh, put it on while you're going to sleep it doesn't matter if you fall asleep through it just you know start somewhere and i'd love to while you're talking about apps i'd love to tell you about um an app called mind shift and that's m-i-n-d-s-h-i-f-t um and really it's a phone app and it helps you to track and figure out which of those thoughts are making you anxious. Um, it's really cool because there's a couple of other features to it. It'll keep you focused on things like the importance of sleep because sleep's a big deal when you're dealing with anxiety, how to manage that uh, a little bit better, um, give you some really cool tips and strategies, how to write out some of those intense emotions. Um, it challenges things like our uh, concepts of perfectionism and it's really like your own little portable coach. So I think if you really feel as though you want to try and take charge of your life um, and you're facing some of these challenging situations and you, you need some support, I would actually highly recommend this app because MindShift is almost like um, a great little go, take it as you go, check in with yourself, catch yourself out and then gives you tools and strategies to overcome those thinking processes. So for those of you who are busy, don't want to go and see someone, maybe that's where you want to start. Awesome. Oh, that sounds great. Um, ladies, we'll definitely stick this all onto social media so that you've got a frame of reference because I know it's probably information overload right there. And I know that a lot of these practices are things that we have probably gone over many, many times, but that's because they are the fundamentals to having a healthy body and a healthy mind as well. Um, ladies, we would love to hear what your experience with anxiety has been. Um, if there's anything at all that you found that has been particularly beneficial to you, maybe that we haven't listed, um, that would be helpful for our other listeners as well. Pop that on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the wellness women. Uh, make sure you're following us on Instagram as well, which is underscore the wellness women. Um, and make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever medium it is that you're listening to us. And uh, we always love your five-star ratings. So thank you so much for those two. <laughs> yeah. And look, we really hope that uh, today you found some ideas that we've suggested really helpful to you. Um, 
I think the key here is just know you're not alone. Like we said, one in three women experience this. So just use techniques that you feel may be helpful to you. And if you're still struggling to overcome that sensory experience of anxiety, do make sure you chat to either, you know, really good holistic GP, naturopath, someone who can at least point you in the right direction and, and help you on some of those steps or pop into some free classes. I mean, you look up on, on Meetup, um, you know, online and there's so many Meetup groups that come together and do meditation. And there's so many ways of doing low cost or no cost um, tools to, to help you overcome anxiety. So go and join people and, and talk to people and don't be afraid to share your experience with others because some of the biggest um, changes can happen when someone realizes that uh, this is what you're experiencing because sometimes it's the people closest to you that can actually help you overcome it. So don't be like, I was afraid to tell someone that that's what I experienced in that stadium. But, you know, once it happened second, third time, I was able to articulate what it was that I was experiencing, identified as anxiety. And then the friends around me would just check in. Hey, you know, is it too busy? Is it too noisy? Would you like to step outside for some air? Do you want to go grab a drink? Like it was just so cool how the people around me supported me so well and um, I can contribute their support to me overcoming that and I can't really say that I have those anxiety experiences anymore which is which is really cool so I think that uh, you can overcome it give yourself that space to grow to learn and um, and give yourself time don't think that it's all going to happen right now so just work carefully and gently with yourself each and every day awesome oh ladies we can't wait to um, hear from you and until next week be well This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.